from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I've had some talks with some guys, and I've just said, you know, this is just a chapter in our book. You know, this is something we'll be able to write down in the future, and hopefully it's along with the Super Bowl. But um, for this group, you know, we just keep rolling with it. You know, we understand um, every team is going through something like this. Not to this extent, but uh, we have to be ready for any situation. You know, I think Coach has laid out the plan. It's up for us to follow it, and it's up for us to, you know, bounce back with it. That's Cameron Haywood. From the Cam Hayward from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and can you imagine the way the Jags are built, how young they are, having to deal with that? See, that's what veteran experience does. That's what we're talking about, right? You have this balance between some old guys that know how to handle this stuff. And listen, they had the Steelers guys were griping about it. But now they've toned down and said, all right, let's play ball. It's it's what we got to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to have that element of guys that are hardened to some adversity. And the Jaguars over these last eight years, again, this is kind of what we're talking about in the quest for a new GM. You have to have a nice balance. And sometimes you give up a little on the football, you know, skill set side. Maybe you did lose a step, but that's still valuable. And that's what happened with Calais Campbell this year. He should be here in Jacksonville, maybe more so than we even thought uh, when they traded him to Baltimore. I guess we're all happy for Calais. He's got a chance, even though right now they're out of the playoff mix. So now it's crazy. That's not it? working out well for any of us. No. <laughs> No one's being successful right now. No. So, uh, hey, let's welcome in Jason Fitz right here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Oh, a lot to get to. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, man. And uh, we're doing this today. What makes a good GM? Uh, And I'm sure you could run off a list of things. Uh, Your your Raiders team went through the Mayock and and Gruden transition. They stuck to uh, a long-term deal with those guys. And, well, it didn't pay off this past week or maybe even the last couple weeks. But it looks like it's trending in the right direction. I'm going to ask you this way instead. What's more of an important find for the Jags, the GM or the head coach? GM, without hesitation, because – realistically the GM has the opportunity to find the head coach. The opposite, I'm not sure we can say. Now, we've talked a little bit before about the fact that I believe the Jags are the type of team that's going to need a long-term deal for a GM to come into place. But when you ask the most important thing for a GM, I think that the absolute defining quality for a GM is somebody that comes in and has a clear and definitive vision of exactly what they're trying to shape and exactly how they intend to shape it. And by that, I mean, I think that these rebuilds take longer and they take more patience than most people require. So you need somebody in that organization that is confident in who they are, confident in their vision, that ownership believes in to the point that they'll give them the rope to have the opportunity to really build something. Now, obviously, Tom Coughlin, and I hate to say that name because I don't want to rile you guys up, but Tom Coughlin had a lot of those things, a clear vision. It just wasn't a modern football vision. Mm -hmm. So I don't think most people love the hire, but – What I do love about it is somebody that comes in and clearly establishes, hey, this is the way we're going to run things. And and to me, what the Jags need first and foremost is somebody to come in and say, here's the new culture, here's the new vision, and even if it takes us five years to get there, here's how we're going to do it. So it takes somebody very clear and very definitive and somebody that can truly communicate. That's 
that's hard to find. Yeah, Jason Fitz, I mean, you just said exactly, you just echoed. We started the show an hour ago, and the question was, what makes a good GM? And Austin Lane said that was his first thing. Yeah. You know, I, I could argue maybe quarterback is the first thing, but that's the <laughs> no, first. That's, no, that's, you just echoed exactly what Austin said. And I'll piggyback this because I love what you told us a couple months ago when we asked you similar kind of questions, and you said, get somebody a long-term plan. Mayock and Gruden obviously have a lot of time to get this right. Matt Rule now in Carolina has a lot of time. And the reason why I think the more and more I thought about that, it's important, Jason, is that way somebody doesn't feel pressure to go off their plan to make a quick fix. And I think that happens a lot in any business, but especially in the NFL. If you you are more apt to go off your plan if you think there's pressure to do something immediately, right? Well, absolutely, and look no further than San Francisco. I mean, right now, with the wheels that have fallen off a couple of times for the 49ers, they've had a couple of seasons that have turned out to be forgettable. For many GM-coach combinations, that would be a, a death nail, right? Like, you'd be looking at it and saying, this is it, we're done. But that conversation isn't happening with San Francisco, and it paid off last year when they went to the Super Bowl, right? So you can look at it and say that organization has really empowered the people that run it. And, guys, in some ways, I know this is a strange analogy, but, you know, that's part of my charm. We'll go with that. Uh, in some ways, it's no different than dieting, right? Like, I've got a few friends in my life that went, I went out that, were, that felt they needed to get gastric bypass. And for a little while, they looked great. And now all of them are back to who they were pre-surgery. And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. I'm just saying that quick fixes so often don't work. If you want to truly change who you are, and, then, and whether it's, from a diet standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, or from a football standpoint, if you want to change who you are, you got to look in the mirror. you got to ask yourself some really tough questions, and then you got to commit to do the things that are difficult and stay on a path. And that's where I think, to your point, Brent, that so many people go wrong because it start, you get close, and then you're like, oh, wait, we're almost there, so I'm just going to go get this one quarterback, and all of a sudden it sets you back. Or, or you're, you're not close, and you feel like now you got to panic and change what you're doing and how you're doing it. None of that works. Like, you got to be strong enough, man or woman enough, to stand up when you lead an organization and say, hey, this is my vision, and I'm not worried about what you think. I'm not worried about what fans think. I'm worried about inside this building are people buying in. And that takes a lot. That takes just a lot of strength and conviction and self to do that. Jason, when you're trying to move a new team um, you know, to the upper echelons to kind of, I guess, tear it down and build it back up again, um, a verb that can be tied to that, and it's a verb that we've heard all around the NFL this year, and it's a word that absolutely drives me crazy, but it's everywhere, and it's analytics, right? Like, analytics are everywhere right now, whether it's going for the two-point conversions, whether it's going for it on fourth and one on your own side of the field. Like, analytics are everywhere, and there's always been analytics and about how you go about your business and selecting a draft pick. I mean, I think Al Davis, even though he was an old-school type of guy, that guy loved analytics. Why? Because every single year he picked the fastest wide receiver in the 40-yard dash and brought him onto the Raiders, right? So even Al Davis used a little bit of analytics. The, the question remains, though, like how much analytics is too much? And I guess if you're going after a new GM right now and you're bringing him in, into Jacksonville and you're sitting down in those meetings and one of the very first things out of his mouth is, well, analytics, analytics, like do you buy into that or would you rather prefer a GM that's a little more old school that kind of has that gut feeling more than that analytical feeling? Well, for me personally, I, I want I want somebody that finds some bit of a balance, but I'd rather lean towards the gut instinct. And I think what happens for coaches is, like, I'm all in for the head coach having his analytics guy come in and say, hey, 
is what the analytics say. But then you got to make your decision in that moment. And, you know, I, I really don't care what the analytics say on fourth and two. If, if you're feeling it and your team's hot, there's a difference. Like, there's a difference in fourth and two when you're watching a football game and you've been running the ball down their throat the entire time versus fourth and two when you haven't been able to run the ball at all since the first quarter. Like, we have to understand that situation, gut instincts, and eyes matter. And, look, it's no different than college football. We talk a lot about college football, right? Well, let's acknowledge that every single year so far of the college football playoff, the BCS rankings had the same four teams in as the final four. Everybody hated the BCS. Why? Because it was a computer, and computers don't know what they're talking about, right? <laughs> like, we want some level of human instinct to this. And, and ultimately, I want somebody to answer for their decisions based on their brilliance around the game, not based on what a spreadsheet tells me. So for, for me personally, I want a, a GM. I would want a GM. If I ran the Jags, I'd want a GM that understands positional value, that has a plan on where he's willing to spend and the positions he thinks he needs to spend to, be, to build the best roster. I want them to have a true understanding of how to build in the draft, how to have rookie contracts combined with the right high-dollar high veteran contracts. You want that sort of understanding. But I also want a guy that just feels, eats, breathes, lives, sleeps everything football and has an instinct for it. I mean, that, that matters. What We love watching certain commentators on TV call for Romo because he can see what plays coming because he has great instincts for the game. That's what I want from a guy that runs a franchise. Jason Fitz with us, uh, Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock on ESPN Radio all across the country. Make sure you listen to that. You listen to Jason every Tuesday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We love having him aboard. You know, kind of to that point, but in, in a little different spin, is DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, I, I feel like, and I'm sure this was talked about at the draft, because of the measurables, he reminded people of Mike Mamula and the whole combine and the workout word and stuff, and I think it scared GMs away. Even though we all knew this guy was not human. I mean, he. But, but listen, but he also had the same shuttle time as Tom Brady. Okay? He, yeah. he, he had the three, the, the same three yard cone drill as Tom Brady. Yeah. That would scare me away, too. I, I guess, but I, I guess my question to you, Jason, I mean, this guy has been unbelievable. He's over a thousand yards receiving. He looks like just a, he looks like Teen Wolf the way <laughs> LeBron James does on a basketball court. Uh, I mean, I. Were GMs afraid of the Mamula stuff? I mean, don't you have to be less afraid as a GM and just it's staring at you in the face? Like, this is a physical sport, and that is a physical specimen. But then there's this moment, and, and I'll never forget, DK came on set with us in Nashville uh, on Go Look and Wingo. I was hosting. Uh, Trey had the morning off because he was doing all the NFL drive stuff for the network, and DK stood next to us, and you just looked at me and you thought, man, my God. I mean, he, his physique is overwhelming. But there is uh, – Austin makes a really good point. Like, there, there were questions about his numbers uh, at, at the Combine. There were questions about his numbers in college. Like, why, given that he looked so dominant physically in front of you, why didn't he dominate more in games? And what we forgot some, somewhere along the way in that is that some schemes, some quarterbacks, and some coaches just don't do a great job of developing. And, and I don't know, frankly, guys – that DK would develop the same way in any system with any coach. Like, he's a student of the game, fine. But it's a little like saying, well, why didn't the Bears take Patrick Mahomes? That presumes that Mahomes would have been the same quarterback if he'd have gone to that system with those coaches. Like, I think everything around DK has been perfect, and he's maximized it. To his credit, everybody, myself included, we were all wrong. If we'd have known DK was going to be that, <laughs> my God, he would have been picked at the top of the draft, and uh, there'd be no questions about it. So it, it, kudos to him, but... I think that the, the, we're forgetting that the college numbers and the numbers overall at the combine 
just didn't make it look like he was as dominant as his pecs are. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good point. I always say that about Russell Wilson because the Jags picked a punter in front of him. I'm not saying that was the right decision, but I'm just saying Russell Wilson might not be on the career path that he's been on if he was in Jacksonville. Yeah. He might not. It's just a yeah. situational thing. So I really I, I appreciate that point. I think it's a good one. I, we don't really talk about like last night's Monday night game a lot, but it's just jumping out at me that I've seen the look on a quarterback's face like that here in Jacksonville before. I've seen it on Blaine Gabbert. I've seen it on Blake Bortles. This is a quarterback in Philly that is shook. And we've talked about the demise of the Jaguars day-to-day here in Jacksonville. The demise of the Eagles is underway. And I really can't put a finger on exactly why because they've got a franchise quarterback. Uh, Jacksonville, we knew why. They didn't have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, well, and and what do we do with Doug Peterson? Like, the hardest part for the Eagles is what do you do? Because we believe as a general culture that – Carson Wentz can be very good, and we believe that Doug Peterson is a very good coach, but they're so uh, on different pages at this point, and uh, there's a part of Carson Wentz that the best way I can say is he looks broken, and, you know, we see this sometimes with, like, a David Carr when he came into the league. He got hit so much, he just eventually folded, and he was broken, right? But when's the last time we saw a quarterback at the level of Carson Wentz suddenly just forget how to football? And that's what it, it, it feels like we're watching with him. He looks lost. He looks broken. And the hardest part for me is that, you know, to me, when you've got a quarterback that, that can't find his rhythm, it's up to the play caller to make sure that they find those two or three plays that are just back pocket plays. Like, hey, I know worst case scenario, we just got to get him rolling. Let's call this. No different than in the NBA. You know, when you've got your jump shooter, that there are per, per, uh, particular sets that will get him his shot. The fact that the Eagles and Peterson haven't done that to me is really surprising. Like, they have seemed disinterested in getting him any rhythm. And now what they do, guys, instead of figuring out how to get him into a better rhythm and change the play calling, they gave Jalen Hurts reps, which is their way of telling the entire locker room, this isn't a coaching issue, it's a player issue. I don't know how you fix that. And the problem is the contract's too big not to fix. So the Eagles are stuck, and they're not just stuck this year. They can be stuck next year, too, in this same exact situation. It's a nightmare for Philly fans. Well, Jason, and it begs the question, how short of a leash right now is Doug Peterson on? How hot is that seat getting for Doug Peterson? I get it. Back in 2017, you hoisted the trophy up, you were world champions, and no one can ever take that away from you. But now we fast forward a couple years later, and you have a quarterback at the time, back in 2017, who was kind of the MVP running before he got hurt, and now he's a shell of himself. And I look at Doug Peterson being this offensive guru, this quarterback-friendly coach, and I'm seeing this offense is horrible, this offense is trash, and this quarterback is lacking confidence. To me, that falls on Doug Peterson. So should Doug Peterson be worried at all about being on the hot seat, or has he built up his income so much of winning that Super Bowl where it's like he, he can really do no wrong, he's going to be there for the long haul? Yeah, I, you're right. I think that's probably true that he has, but he shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> you win a Super Bowl on a miracle play, that's great. I understand all of the, the, the glorious feels that come with it. But to me... The, one of the craziest things about the way we judge coaches is that when a defensive coach forgets how to coach defense, we don't forgive it. Like, that'll get a guy fired in a heartbeat. Hey, the defense is bad. You were hired to fix this defense. For some reason, when the offensive-minded coaches forget how to make their offense creative and fun, suddenly as well, it's a quarterback issue. Well, I, I mean, why? I mean, do we really believe that Carson Wentz can't play? I, I can't believe that. I refuse to believe that Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback. He's at least a pretty good quarterback. He may not be far, or he may not be Aaron Rodgers, right? But, like, 
he's still a pretty good quarterback. The fact that he now looks like an abomination, like that's got to fall on coaching. So to, if I ran the Eagles, uh, Doug Peterson would be squarely on the hot seat. And let me tell you, I think a lot of people would fight for that job to go in and have the opportunity to coach Carson Wentz. All right, Jason, before we let you go, obviously we got to do some kind of game. I didn't think kind we of had This is a super serious week in Jacksonville. You got something. Well, it's a little something. So a couple weeks ago we talked about the verses. I'm not sure if you followed verses or not, but it was a it was a cultural hit, let's just say. Young Jeezy taking on Gucci Man. Uh, we broke it down on the show a little, Brent. Uh, even Brent was getting involved. Here's my question <laughs> to you, Jason Fitz. If you were to do your own verses, and now any kind of genre, I think we had Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks possibly, uh, for, for our country music for version of a verse this year? No, we said maybe Garth Brooks, George Strait, but George you said Strait. Alan Jackson, Tim McGraw, because Tim McGraw holds a special place in Jackson. Exactly. So yeah, maybe a little Alan Jackson, Tim McGraw for verses. Who would be your prime versus matchup here? Look, if, if I want verses, like what makes these things great are when there's genuine dislike and disdain for mm. the two people involved, right? So I got to get rivalry in it and nobody gets worked up faster than divas, just in general. Like, <laughs> Divas are the worst, right? But yep. that's what makes them amazing. So give me two, like, diva singers. Give me, like, Celine versus Christina Aguilera. Like, mm. and make them go lick for lick the whole way and just, like, sing. But here's the catch. Instead of singing their own material, make them sing the other person's material. Let's see oh, if Celine wow. can out Christina Christina on her stuff. So, and, yes, I love these verses. I don't know, like, what's that cultural thing? It's a human thing. We all love these. So, so Jason, I'm going to say one thing, though, right? I like where your head's right now. I'll make a little tweak to it, though. Let's go back to the 90s. Let's go Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, The Canadian Princess. I'm in for that. But let's do a little border war. So let's do Canada taking on the U.S. and representing the U.S. Let's go Mariah Carey. Let's go with the real heavy hitter. Oh, Celine yes. Dion, Mariah Carey. What are you bringing to the table? Let's go. Oh my God, that is, now we are talking. That is epic. I am all in on that. You, you changed my mind completely. Celine Dion versus Mariah Carey. And then, like, midway through, we exposed, like, their riders. Like, what, what's their backstage <laughs> demand? Because I'm telling you, like, that would be the best. Like, we're going to take a break and just show you exactly what these divas demand backstage. I'm all in for it. Every right. second of that. Next, next week, hey. I want some backstage hey. demands. All I'm going to say is talk to our bosses, uh, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, and ESPN 690 Joint. Let's make it happen. Productions, everything. Let's do this. Uh, I'm all in. Hey, Jason uh, Fitz, I hope you had some of those croissants with the leftovers. <laughs> uh, and I hope they tasted well. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Have a great week. You too, uh, Jason Fitz. We didn't even ask him about the Raiders oh, yeah. being so bad. Just oh, kind of yeah. crossed over yeah. that. But uh, that was good. I'm glad you got that in. I didn't have anything for him. It's, all it's good. been a serious week in Jacksonville. You, you think Mariah Carey wins that? I mean, if she starts bringing out Christmas albums, too. Right, Carrie's got her, right? Fat, I know. Sing. I know. My heart she will go on. I get that. Like, I get like, that. I would say Celine Dion's a better singer than Mariah Carey. Well, I think she's a better. I don't know about better singer. I mean, come on, the octaves from Mariah Carey's ungodly. Yeah. But but the whole point is, I think Celine Dion is a rock. I think she's a staple. I think Mariah Carey can be up and down, yeah, man. She's what, like streaky. It's true. I don't like that. I don't like that on my singers. Yeah. I, I want calm, collective. Celine Dion is that. That's Jason Fitz, 7 o'clock, Spain and Fitz. Listen to him on ESPN Radio all across the country. Listen to him on Tuesdays right here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Another thought or two on the Eagles' demise and what that all means. Uh, and we go a little big picture NFL as we have. By the way, are we going to do like 
Steelers, Ravens tomorrow, blow by blow during the show. I mean, it's 3.40 kickoff. Oh, we're coming to the show tomorrow? <laughs> I thought we were just going to air it on, on our station and I can watch the, the game. I wish we were. I didn't know we're coming in tomorrow. <laughs> we're coming in tomorrow. I didn't get that email. Yeah, You didn't get one that said you're not. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> Gonna have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There's only 32 of these guys on the planet, and there's probably only 12 that have the talent to be really good at it, at least at the NFL level. And I think you got to be very careful to go because we did that about Ryan Tannehill. Oh, Ryan Tannehill, he can't play. Really? Was he was he with a coach that you know wasn't a really good coach, and was he with people? Around them, that wasn't very good. Oh, Derek Carr, two years, two, three years ago, Derek Carr sucks. Why'd they pay him all that money? Really? Is Derek Derek Carr really bad, or does he have no receivers that can win? And does he have a coach that doesn't have any vision? That's what I'm saying, like, in Matthew Stafford. I was with Matthew Stafford. Everyone's, oh, Matthew Stafford stinks. Really, guys? That's Dan Orlovsky. I think he's got a good point, but it's hit or miss. And the big key here is when do you pull the trigger, right? Well, and Derek when do you... Carr had point six points last week. In he fantasy. He's been good this so. year, though. And, and you know, listen, that's fair to say. You know, I think the question is, you can give me Derek Carr, but I can give you Blake Bortles. And mm-hmm. this organization believed in Bortles for another go around. You know, and Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, and Nick Foles is not a not a good starting quarterback in the NFL. He's proven that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, maybe that's situational. Maybe he just fit better with Doug Peterson. You know, I get it. But you can't sit here and want, you can't take a spin on the merry-go-round with everybody that's going to fit because the guy that fits sooner or later isn't going to be there anyway because they're going to lose too many games in a down year. I mean, is Joe Flacco a good quarterback? I think Joe Flacco got old quicker. Okay. I thought Joe, Joe Flacco for a bit there was a good quarterback. Now, I argued at the time he was an elite quarterback by winning the Super Bowl and the way he played. But I think you, in, in hindsight, that's dangerous. And you could also argue he caught lightning in the bottle, much mm-hmm. like you did with Nick Foles, much like Blake Bortles did at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have that. And now we're wondering, listen, the stat I heard about, I think I saw it last night uh, in the broadcast, one Offensive pro bowler has been drafted for the Philadelphia Eagles since 2013. Now, if you go back and you start looking at what the Jags have done since 2013 Mm -hmm. in their drafts, Mm -hmm. well, they have similar issues. You know what their one quarterback, I mean, the one pro bowler is? Carson Wentz. And Carson Jason Wentz. Kelsey. Oh, I guess Jason Kelsey. Yeah, Jason Kelsey. Drafted. Oh, he was undrafted? I don't think he was drafted in the, in, oh. uh, in between 2013 and he was before 2013. Okay. Then he must okay. have been. I guess so. Um, but I think, unless I'm just getting the stat wrong. Who? Zach Ertz. Must have been prior to. And am I, do I not have the stat right then? Lane Johnson? I think, he, I don't think you have it right. Because, like, Kelsey, okay, Kelsey was drafted in 2011. Okay. I guess Lane Johnson would have been maybe 2012. Johnson might have been the 13 draft with Jokel. He was, 13 draft. So maybe it's after the 2013 draft. Yeah, because Lane Johnson's a pro bowler. What about Ertz? Uh, Zach Ertz. Ertz feels like he's older than 13, I feel, I feel 14. I feel like he's young, though. I don't know. Maybe I... Uh, he was drafted in 2013 in the second round. Okay, so then it must be 13 must have been the last year of it. Yep. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. just one guy made the Pro Bowl that's been drafted on offense. Mm-hmm. It, I think that makes more sense. Yep. Um, and Wentz is the guy, and Wentz didn't even win you the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so the bottom line is, you know, whatever the stat is, you get the picture. They haven't replenished. You know, they haven't. They've got okay players on offense, but not good enough. 
You know, he's got he's got weapons on offense that are just okay outside of the tight end spot. Mm-hmm. That's been pretty pretty good. Goddard was good last night, but he's just been okay uh, overall. For I don't know where the demise of the Eagles has has come from. Um, well, their defense is pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's solid enough to keep them in games. I mean, listen, every team deals with injuries, so it's not an excuse. But if you want to look at the, the injury history, especially on their offense in terms of the receivers and Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, um, who was the cat from Stanford that they drafted a couple years? Uh, not Nikhil Harry. He's in New England. I forgot what the guy's name is. But they had a lot of injuries in terms of like Miles Sanders at the running back position. Lane Johnson's obviously out for the season with his ankle. Jason Kelsey's been injured. So there has been a lot of injuries there. But once again, it's not really an excuse because teams can overcome that. It's just been, I don't know, it's been a weird couple of years, I feel like, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and listen, and they've, like Jason Fitz was saying, they've pigeonholed themselves with the quarterback. Like, if he, right now, it feels like Carson Wentz mm-hmm. is, is, is a little Chuck Knobloch yeah. and, and not being able to throw the ball to first base. Like, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not that bad. That's, it's not as dire. I mean, he still makes some plays. And I give Wentz a little bit of a pass. And they might have given him too much of a pass last night in the broadcast. But he does get hit on every play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about seeing ghosts. Well, he's wondering when he's going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And I would just imagine playing that position and feeling that way and knowing that, much like Bortles and Gabbert had to deal with, it is very hard to get comfortable when you know you're getting hit on every play. Yeah. And you're just – now you are seeing ghosts. You well, know, that Donald isn't the only one that talks about it. Quarterbacks talk about that. Yeah. He just said it in front of a microphone. Well, then especially, too, because keep in mind, like, the first couple of years, what made Wentz so great was his ability to scramble out of the pocket and get up a first down as well. I mean, like, he, you know, he took great pride in his mobility. And last night, you saw a little bit of a surge, a little bit of a of a spark in the pan, if you will, when he did take off that first time, yeah. Yeah, like a 20-yard gain. And all of a sudden, like, there's some energy about that team. The problem, though, is that when he's done that in the past, what's happened? He's gotten Got hurt, hurt. Yeah. right? So it almost appears like he's gun-shy, too, a little bit to take off and run for those 15 to 20 yards just because in the past he has gotten hurt. Yeah, fair enough. Whiteside, by the way, someone jumped in on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Whiteside. So Whiteside was your Stanford guy? Yeah, Stanford guy. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, you obviously, if you're, you obviously don't draft well. Yeah. Right? You're not drafting well enough. Yeah. it's it's bizarre uh, right now in Philadelphia. That was a I've seen that look on quarterbacks' faces in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That's really the moral of the story. And the, the good I guess you can really mess it up. It's a scary situation for GMs and football teams when you believe you have the guy, you pay him a ton of money, and now you're sitting here wondering, oh boy, maybe he's not. You know, maybe See, he's not that guy. And I think it's a danger of the QB position. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to like, what do you look for in a GM, right? And See, this is where you say, go get me the talent, you know, go get me the guys that can play, and I'll win with them. We're going to win, win, win. And this is, I say you've got to look a little further on the quarterback, in my opinion, Hmm. because the quarterbacks now, see, I think the Jags are going to be very fortunate. I don't know if there are just brutally bad misses at the QB position anymore. Look at all the first-round picks that are still playing and people believe in them. I mean, even Baker Mayfield, we're not sure how good he is, but he's not bad. Yeah. And so if that's your miss now, like that feels like that might be a miss. I'm not sure if they're going to pick up the option. Does, do they think they can win long term? But that's not a bad miss. Like you don't seem to get the Ryan Leaf misses anymore. 
mm-hmm. in the NFL at the QB position. And why is that? Well, I believe everybody knows how to play the QB position better than be- ever before, and the game has adapted itself to them rather than them having to adapt themselves to the game at the pro level. Yeah. And all these seven-on-seven camps, guys can throw it. So, like, when you look at Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, you're not going to be like, well, can he make a pass? Well, yeah, he does. He, he can make the pass. I mean, he can throw it. And he's going to be a first-round arm talent. Mm-hmm. He's going to have the first arm, uh, first-round physical traits. But I think you have to look deeper. Is he Russell Wilson from a leadership standpoint? You know, is he Patrick Mahomes moxie? You know, can he make off-schedule stuff happen? Can he elevate you to a point even if you're not great around? guy like Carson Wentz doesn't seem like he can do that right now. No, so yeah, yeah. I think these are the deeper dive questions that this next GM has to ask when looking at Fields, Lawrence, Zach Wilson. And you've got to make the right decision because, to me, that's where that's why Mahomes is great. That's why Russell Wilson is great. We don't know that about Kyler Murray yet. You know, True. We don't know if there's that it factor with him, even though his skill set and his physical training are unbelievable. See, but here's the thing with, with Carson Wentz and the Eagles, though. Like, I am a Carson Wentz believer because you know why? I've seen it before. Like, people have such a short-term memory when it comes to the success of Carson Wentz. In 2017, that guy threw 33 touchdowns and only seven interceptions, okay? We were talking about Carson Wentz becoming the MVP until he got hurt. Then what happens? He gets hurt, Nick Foles comes in, and all of a sudden Carson Wentz is an afterthought. Nick Foles is MVP. Now it's like, oh, well, is Nick Foles going to be a starting quarterback? Or is Wentz going to be a starting quarterback? So to me, when you have a guy who has essentially you know, kissed stardom in terms of being an MVP, that's who he is, right? Like when, when Blake Bortles had his run back in 2017, I could have sat back and watched and said, you know what? Yeah, maybe he's a decent quarterback, but I'm not sold on Blake Bortles because – the, the good that I did see, the good came from, you know, making plays, and it wasn't 2017, but it came from making plays with Allen Robinson. It came from plays from making, you know, um, you know, the other players on the team. Just because, like, I, didn't, I never really saw a lot of good passes from Blake Bortles. I've seen a lot of great passes from Carson Wentz. So this year on the Eagles, yes, injuries could be a thing, but I'm taking a long, hard look at Doug Peterson, and I'm asking him, what's going on? Because we've seen the great. We've won a Super Bowl. We we got to the promised land with this guy. So somewhere along the lines from 2017 uh, until now, something happened. Okay, and if you want to go back to last year with Carson Wentz, real quick, uh, let's see what he threw. He, he went 27 and seven, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. A lot of teams would take that. Hell, I would take that. So let's just ask this question. What happened from 2019 till now? What happened in a year? Because it's not the same Carson Wentz. So to me, that call, that, that falls on coaching. Well, it does, but at the same time, oh, that's fine. And I agree. With you. I think Peterson, I said, joked yesterday, he's going to write another book. This one's going to be more interesting yeah. because, yeah. you know, he seems like, you know, my feeling on Peterson from afar is I feel like he's, he's, egotistical like a lot of coaches are, but he's got this swag about him, this arrogance about him that I think kind of rubs you the wrong way. A little bit about what he said about Marone in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that, that wasn't even really his business probably mm-hmm. to jump in on that, but that's Peterson. Well, where is it now, man? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, what do you do? You're, you're taking a franchise QB and running them into the ground. Mm-hmm. So I agree there's some coaching there, but I also think what you don't know about Carson Wentz is this. How will he bounce back? And see, that's what I'm talking about. Everybody's going to go, look, Russell Wilson hasn't had to go through the peaks and valleys. They've Mm -hmm. been very good. He's been good. He's had a great track. I bet there will be a time Patrick Mahomes is going to go be a 
at least for a stretch of time or whatever, a shell of what he is. See, they're well, not going to have seven guys running open for the entire length of his career, in my opinion. But see, I, I mean, I disagree with that, though, Brent, because the way the Chiefs are built is that he's going to have all those weapons. Like, they, they've re-signed Travis Kelsey. They've re-signed Tyreek Hill, right? Um, they've re-signed Eric Fisher, if you're a believer in him or not. But the point is, like, they're keeping that offensive unit together. And then when they draft, they draft their guys to reload. Now enter Nicole Hardman. Now enter, um, you know, the... Edwards Hilaire. Then you bring in Le'Veon Bell. Like to me, the Chiefs are a machine on offense that they're never going to go away. Now injuries do happen, yeah. and I get that. But man, like I just have a hard time seeing Patrick Mahomes not be successful yeah. with all weapons around him. And I'm not talking about right now. I mean, I mean it could be five years from now. But he's he's going to have to deal with some adversity at some. Yeah. You know, and and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's lucky and he does. My point is, everybody will. And how do you come out of that? Most quarterbacks will. I mean, mm-hmm. Peyton went up and down from times. He had to drag himself well, out of there. Peyton, Peyton started low, man. Yeah. Roethlisberger has gone the highs, the lows, and now he's coming back up and having one of his great seasons. Do you have that in you? Yeah. And that's what they got to ask Carson Wentz. Does he? Does Peterson and Wentz have what I would say right now McVay and Goff went through? Mm-hmm. The highs, bam, back down, and you wonder what the heck is Goff doing? And now they're coming back up a little bit, although there's some talk out of L.A. They thought about benching him for Johnny Wolford. Yeah. You know, so golf still might not be the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the Eagles fans are probably scared. Like, wait a minute, is this golf? Or do we have a guy having a down year? Yeah. Because I think there's questions in LA about is golf really the guy? Mm-hmm. Or is McVeigh really, you know, playing See, the video game? No, 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 I agree with that. The difference to me though between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz is that we've sat back and questioned is Jared Goff a system quarterback? Yes. We've used that word that verbiage many times, which is one of the biggest insults to a quarterback. But it's a legitimate point. When Carson Wentz was really Carson Wentz, he was playing at an MVP level, we never sat back and stood by and said, well, this is Doug Peterson's offense. Like, we watched what Carson yeah, Wentz did with his, with his legs, with his, um, you know, just kind of his gunslinger mentality. We said, this kid's the real deal. Now, obviously, that's a long time ago. It's a couple years ago, and he's fallen on harder times. But my point is, we never really had the question when Carson Wentz was on the highest of highs saying, well, he's a system guy. Yeah. We have with Jared Goff. Will Carson Wentz win a Super Bowl in his career? That's a good question, man. I'd bet I no don't think heavy so. right now. I don't think so. He hadn't shown I don't me. think so. I'd bet heavy no. I don't think so. And that's what you're after. Mm-hmm. That's what this GM, these conversations all come back to the GM here in Jacksonville, gets hired. That's what you're trying to find in Justin Fields. And if you don't see it in Fields, then go Zach Wilson if you see it in Zach Wilson. Yeah. Even though the popular opinion says, like me, says Justin Fields. So let me ask you this, though. When Blake Bortles was doing his thing, did you think Blake, Blake Bortles would go to a Super no. Bowl? You didn't think so? No, Blake Bortles... Blake Bortles probably maximized what he could be, and that's sure. the mistake of Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell, who have been around football. Tom Coughlin, who's won Super Bowls, okayed that mm-hmm. and didn't do what Kansas City did and said, we got an MVP guy in Alex Smith, but he ain't taking us to the promised land. Yeah. We got to go draft this kid. How did Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell do that? Like, I know it's easy for us in hindsight, but that's their job to do and right. s- make that tough decision and say, hey, this kid's played great, but this is this is about the maximum. We'll be back on ESPN 690. I mean, we're frustrated. You know, we're frustrated. I know I'm frustrated. I I hate losing. You know, it's it's very frustrating to to have this result, you know, these last couple weeks and to be where we're at this season. Um, But the crazy thing about this league and this division especially is it's still wide open, and guys know that. 
guys know that and you know we're looking ahead um to next week getting this thing turned around and getting going the right direction and, and hopefully you know surprise some people carson wentz well, I look at those guys yesterday and, and watching that offense, watching Chicago's offense. I've seen the offense, like I said, in Jacksonville before. It's not this year's offense, um, but it's such an offense you have no confidence you can move the ball, and they're just jumping off sides, and they're giving up sacks and all these different problems. And it's just amazing to me the quarterbacks are built to the point where they don't show – like Carson Wentz has been taught, yeah. watch your body language, mm-hmm. right? And his body language didn't really change. Like he wasn't like oh, – you know, I, I mean, like been. if you watch Allen Robinson play football with Chicago and here in Jacksonville, his body language told a big story. Yeah. Quarterbacks are not allowed to do that. Mm. And, you know, if you do that, then it's a, it's, you know, it shows something. Um, you know, it's actually that was a problem with Bortles. Bortles ba- body language was bad mm-hmm. at, at times. Like you could tell when he was going in the tank. And, uh, I thought the look on the face of Carson Wentz said a whole lot more. Hey, let's get to Steven right now. He's been hanging on, so uh, let's get him in. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Tuesday. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. Uh, you guys were talking GMs earlier, and uh, I just have a good, hard-hitting question. Uh, Austin's mentioned something like before. Like We have owners that are just rich guys that felt like, hey, I have enough money to own a team, therefore I'm going to own a team. Uh, I'm Wondering if maybe we should go in the direction of a GM, maybe a former NFL. I'm sure you've heard people toss out names like Bucky Brooks. I've heard some people say Mark Brunel, maybe Tony Baselli, apparently uh, MJD, maybe even Freddie T. People that can handle uh, you know the locker room stuff that have been there, that have done that. They know what to look for in players and things like that for the NFL. Uh, should maybe we consider going in that direction? All right, thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it. Uh, good question. It's this a really good GM, question. right? We're talking this for GM. Now, okay. listen, before you scoff at it, which I do scoffed. initially, right? Scoffed. Oh, yeah, Austin scoffing. already scoffed. Yeah. I'm scoffing so hard right now. But before you do that. Oh, I already did, but go ahead. you got to check yourself and say, well, how is Lynch doing in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. John Elway did win a Super Bowl, although ever since then it was... Yeah, but Brent, can we bring John Elway... Listen, it's John Elway won. But he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know why he won a Super Bowl? Because he brought Peyton Manning to Denver. Wow, what a fine, way but... to go out of your what a what a ballsy move! You bring in Peyton Manning after they got Andrew Luck. You bring Peyton Manning to Denver. Oh my gosh, John Elway! I mean, owner of the of the decade, if you ask me. Yeah, but that's not why they won the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl the year he set all kind of records. They won the Super Bowl the year he looked like he was carrying a cane in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the free agent acquisitions he made. Where well, yeah. and other guys. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, they they were the team. Actually, the Jags in Denver in the last decade, in my opinion, are two teams that hit on free agency and had a ton of success. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous way to go, usually. Mm-hmm. But Denver showed a model where you, if you hit... And you can hit, and you can win big. And the Jags, by the way, part of the reason they went to where they went was because they hit big in free agency with guys like Boye and Campbell and, and others. So, But let's be honest, though, the, the spark that started that run for the Denver Broncos no was Peyton Manning. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I, I just, I can't say, it's like when people do talk about Caldwell or Coughlin. or I always go back and say, yes, but 17 did happen. Like, they built something towards 17, and we're 10 minutes away from the Super Bowl. Sure. You know, you can't just dismiss it. You can't just make this – you can't spin it and just say, hey, it was bad, 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 bad all the time. Yes, it was. It was bad. They did a lot of things wrong. And there's a reason why they're not going to be here, this regime anymore. There's a reason why Coughlin's gone and now Caldwell's gone. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be gone. 
but they did win in 17. And so it's the same with Elway. Well, Elway's made a win. lot of mistakes. Yeah. And he won. But he, but he still has made a lot of mistakes. But sure. you acknowledge his one. It's much like Lynch. Lynch, at times, this thing feels good with him and Shanahan. But again, if you look at the record, man, and I think there's a lot of bad luck involved, but the record ain't great. And they got lucky, too, because they lost so much that they got Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of like Indianapolis, where they got luck because they were so bad one year. So... How do you feel about the former player is the question. Listen, people, Tony Baselli will, I mean, we would take that job tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, people have suggested Baselli, and I don't laugh at the Baselli being, I don't, Maurice Jones-Drew, if we ta- had him on right now, and I love Mojo, um, I love Baselli. If we had him on, I'd be like, yeah, I can do that job. I, I appreciate that. I just don't know if I'd want to go in that direction. I, I don't think I would have a lot of faith. In that See, direction. Somebody asked me today, odds on Baselli being the GM. I said 100 to 1. I think there's a better chance he's the mayor of Jacksonville than he's the GM of the Jaguars. I think he's better off being a coach some capacity than he would be being the GM. So, because there's the thing, like, and I don't want to contradict myself here. Like, yes, a GM should understand the game of football, right? This is why I don't want Theo Epstein in here, because he, he, he knows baseball. He doesn't know football. So the, the GM has to have some kind of understanding about the game of football. But at the end of the day, if a GM has a direct influence on that locker room, on the culture, on the players, then, you, then that's not a GM. That's a coach. It's the coach's job to implement the culture. All I need a GM to do is have a goal, have a blueprint of what to follow, interact with the head coach, and that's it. Well, I, I, and I, pick I, good players. Well, and now this is the next part. It was going to be evaluating talent. Right, like that, that trumps everything. I don't care how many years you spent in the NFL. I don't care if you're a pro bowler, an all-pro. Can you evaluate talent? Because there's a difference between evaluating talent and having played the game. I played the game. I played for five years. Can I evaluate talent? I don't really have to look for a quarterback. I'll be honest with you. Like, I watched the game, but that's about it. Can they evaluate talent? Not sure. Miles Jack scheduled to join us next hour. That's next on ESPN 690.